Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. American Tibetan Buddhist nun, Pema Chidron, commends to us an ancient teaching with a fabulous new name, on the spot practice. The practice of being fully present, feeling your heart and greeting the next moment with an open mind. You can be on the spot at any time. When you wake up in the morning, before a difficult conversation, whenever fear or discomfort arises. When I was serving our congregation in Provincetown, the tradition began of trying to extend the tourist season into early October with special themed weekends. Somehow our very first attempt combined women's weekend, leather weekend, and Fantasia Fair, meaning that our little fishing village and artist colony was suddenly exuberantly brimming with a gender-bending celebration of lesbians, gay men, and cross-dressers. It was fabulous. Church that Sunday was amazing. I had noticed, seated in the midst of a sea of scantily leather-clad men and extremely tall women, a very blonde, very wholesome-looking family. The children, seated between their mother and father, were beautifully dressed and clearly used to being in church. I felt a ping of joy at our diversity. After the service, the father approached me and asked if we might speak for a moment. He was visibly upset. My heart sank. I was so happy, and he was not. I led him into my study and shut the door. Reverend, he began. I braced myself. I have reason to believe that there was a homosexual in your church this morning. So I'm just going to let you imagine some of the responses that went through my mind. Despite years of practicing on the spot, it was all I could do to keep from blurting out something defensive or offensive. Maybe it was the fruit of spiritual practice, or maybe it was grace. Something, something stopped me from opening my mouth. And he continued, I'm afraid you're looking at him. As his coming out poured forth in a flood of anguish, I had just enough spaciousness to realize how differently this conversation might have gone had I stopped him before he was able to finish. If I'd shut down or shot down, rather than taking that one deep breath into my heart and stayed open. I have never almost made 
that mistake again. An on-the-spot practice, writes Pema Chidron, is to walk down the street with the intention of staying as awake as possible to whomever we meet. This is training in being emotionally honest with ourselves and becoming more available to others. We notice if we feel attraction, aversion, or indifference without adding anything extra, like self-judgment. We might feel compassion towards someone who looks depressed or cheered up by someone who's smiling to themselves. We might feel fear and aversion for another person without even knowing why. As we pass people, we simply notice whether we open up or shut down. We can practice this way for even one block of a city street. Notice where we open up and where we shut down without praise or blame and see what happens. Pema Trudin continues, this is a beautiful way to claim your spiritual warriorship. In other words, it's a way to claim your kindness, your strength. Whatever occurs to you, you can pause briefly, touch in with how you're feeling, both physically and mentally, and then just connect with your heart, even putting your hand on your heart if you want to. This is a way of extending warmth and acceptance to whatever is going on for you right now. Whatever it is, you can let it just be there, just as it is, without labeling it good or bad, without telling yourself you should or shouldn't be feeling that way. Having connected with what is, your love, you, can go forward with curiosity and courage. Auburn Sandstrom tells this on the spot story. The year is 1992, Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm curled up in a fetal position on a filthy carpet in a very cluttered apartment in a horrible withdrawal from a drug I've been addicted to for several years now. In my hand, I have a little piece of paper. I've been folding it and unfolding it to the point that it's almost falling apart. I am in a state of bald terror, and I've never been in a darker or more desperate place. My husband is out running the streets trying to get a hold of some of the stuff we need, but I know if he succeeds, he is not going to share. And if I could, I would jump out of my own skin and run screaming into the streets to get what I need. But right behind me, sleeping in our bedroom, is my baby boy. I had started out fairly auspiciously, she continues. I was raised in comfort and privilege. I had a master's degree. But I started noticing things like poverty and racism and unconscionable injustice and that people like me were mostly causing it. It was a huge revelation for me. I came to the conclusion that the thing I needed to do with all the comfort I'd had in my life was to destroy it. And you know, every time I've come to a major faulty conclusion in life, the man comes right after who will help me live it out. And this was no different. Man, was he beautiful. A radical revolutionary, a poet from Detroit. I was 24, he was 40. I was smitten in love with how he talked, how he looked at the world, and it was so beautiful for a while 
until he introduced me to one of his old activist friends who introduced us to the drug we were now addicted to. I had tried to transform myself, she says. I had wanted to shed my class. I would have shed my race if I could. But instead of transformation, I was living a life that was going to lead me to losing the most precious thing I'd ever had, which was that baby boy. I was emaciated, covered in bruises, so anxious, in such a desperate state, that I became willing to punch the numbers into the phone. The phone number was something my mother had sent me, not that I had been speaking to my parents for three four or five years, but she'd managed to get this number to me by mail, and she said, this is a Christian counselor. Maybe sometime you could call this person. I punched in the numbers. I heard the phone pick up. A man said, hello. And I said, hi, I got this number from my mother. Uh, do you think you could maybe talk to me? And I heard him shuffling around in the bed. You could tell he was pulling up some sheets around himself and sitting up. And I heard a little radio in the background. He snapped it off, and he became very present. He said, yes, yes, yes. What's going on? I hadn't told anybody the truth including myself, for a long, long time. And I told him I wasn't feeling so good, and that I was scared. And before long, I was telling him other truths, like I might have a drug problem. And I really, really love my husband, and I wouldn't want you to say anything bad about him, but he has hit me a few times. I started telling these truths, and this man didn't judge me. He just sat with me and listened. And he had such a kindness and such a gentleness. Tell me more. That must have hurt. Oh. I'd made that call at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he stayed up with me the whole night, just talking, just listening, just being there until the sun rose. And by then I was feeling calm. The raw panic had passed. I was feeling like I can splash my face with water and I can probably do this day. I was very grateful to him. I said, hey, you know, I really appreciate you and what you've done for me tonight. Aren't you like supposed to be getting me to read some Bible verses or something? And he laughed and said, well, I'm really glad this was helpful to you. And I said, no, really, you are very, very good at this. I mean, You've seriously done a very big thing for me. How long have you been a Christian counselor? And there's a long pause, and I hear him shifting. Auburn, please don't hang up, he says. I've been trying not to bring this up. What, I ask, you won't hang up? No. I'm so afraid to tell you this. The number you called, he pauses again. You got the wrong number. I'm not a Christian counselor. I'm not even Christian or a counselor. And I felt this kind of joy, says Auburn Sandstrom, like I was shining. I had gotten to see that there was this completely random love in the universe. 
that it could be unconditional and that some of it was for me. I can't tell you that I got my life totally together all at once, but it became possible to get some help and to get out. And it also became possible to be a teetotaling, semi-sane, single parent and to raise up that precious baby boy into a magnificent scholar and athlete who graduated from Princeton University with honors. This is what I know, she says, in the longest, deepest, darkest night of despair. If you can just get one pinhole of light, all of grace rushes in. Beloved spiritual companions, let's practice being on the spot. Let's embrace our acceptance and our love and live that. May we seek to be sources of light through which all of grace rushes in. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.